Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. So you're at work, and you're not hungry hungry, but you could use a little snack. So you go to the vending machine in the hallway to see what you can find. You get some chips, and you go about your day. But what you don't realize is that the vending machine experience is actually a pretty singular one. I don't know about you, but when I'm standing in front of one, it feels like a personal one-on-one interaction. The machine is presenting its offerings to me and no one else. I'm telling it what I want, what I don't want. I give it my money, and I trust that it will give me the treat that I paid for. There's a vending machine company in Chicago that really illuminated this experience for me, and they're not vending food. Good Things Vending is a creative vending machine business stocking full-size snack vending machines with local art, vintage and nostalgia items, and a practical thing here or there. This is Stephanie Krim, the creator of Good Things Vending. There are a handful of their vending machines around the city in bars and cultural centers, and they're full of pleasant surprises that just spark joy. Cat stickers or Yo! MTV Raps trading cards, trivia games, custom shoelaces, bird whistles, and like a hundred other types of things. If somebody says, I make a thing and I want to try putting it in your vending machine, I will say yes to just about anything. Steph is passionate about offering an outlet for the local arts community she loves so much, and she's here to talk more about that. But first, she told me about how she fell in love with vending machines in the first place. When she was a kid, her parents sold antique toys and games, and the family business occasionally took them to Japan. It was there that she was introduced to the amazing world of Japanese vending machines. The vending machines were everywhere. Mm. And they were such an invite. I didn't need to talk to anybody. I didn't need to have that much money in my pocket. But it was for me. I never questioned for a second that it was for me. And if a machine can be out there and somebody going to work can feel like it's for them and somebody going on a walk with their dog can feel like it's for them and some 11-year-old American girl (laughs) can feel like it's for her then there's something magical in that. Mm. And I just think that's stuck. So tell me about the first machine. How did it come to be? It started with me finding a person on Craigslist who had a vending machine and I bought it. Okay. Um, That is not the whole story, though, because, wow, did it take steps since then. There was (laughs) a lot of things that could have happened along the way that would have made me a person still with a vending machine in my garage. Um, Joe, the guy that I bought that vending machine from, he is still my vending machine guy. So that was the very first of building the team. And then started to reach out to folks that I had worked with in the past, folks that I admired, people that I thought might be willing to take a a roll of the dice and sign on to a project that hadn't been fully formed or fleshed out yet. So went to my most forgiving audience and started to talk about what it could look like to place locally made work in a vending machine and the joy, the excitement that I received from those collaborators 
was mm-hmm. the single most important thing that pushed that first machine into a reality. And your most forgiving audience, was that like friends and family or? Yeah, people I'd been to art school with, oh, okay. people who nice. had expressed interest, like people that I chatted with out in the world that I talked about this dream to, who had expressed excitement, people who I'd collaborated with professionally and personally okay. who I knew had skills in areas that I didn't. Wow. Are, and are you, you're a visual artist as well? Yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, I struggle owning that title, always have, probably always will. Uh, I went to art school. I moved to Chicago to go to SAIC and really thought that that was the path that I was walking, but figured out pretty early on that what I love most is community collaboration. So I found myself doing curatorial practices, Mm. just taking classes in the writing department, and of all of what I learned in school, it was the non-art. It was the admin. It was wow. the how to connect with people, how to speak about a project. Those are the things that really um, stuck. Wow. This is such a creative way to bring all of that forth. So congratulations. Kudos to you for, for figuring it out. Thank you so much. I feel like there's a million people that have paved the path uh, <laughs> before me. I feel like I'm really a beneficiary of a lot of really incredible people that have been doing amazing things in the city for a long time. Wow. Well, gratitudes to them as well, then. Um, Tell me, how does it work? Generally, the first person that we find is the muralist, who's going to paint the physical machine, because that is so much a part of the impression that the machine makes. And that's a huge part of whether or not a business would want that in its space. Once that's sort of checkmarked and they're ready to go and get painting, I start doing the other side of it, which is reaching out to the location and saying, are there people connected to your location? Are there bartenders that work there, servers, managers? Do you have regulars that come in often that make work? Because I'm trying to get people in the machine connected to a location for its opening inventory. It's supposed to be a celebration of that community and trying to have folks in the machine from that community is the best case scenario. Then I go about filling out the rest of the machine. So some of that, if I'm at a brewery, usually they want cards and games, things that'll extend the amount of time that a person will spend there. If it's Mm. family friendly or dog friendly, I'm looking at what would the kids use? What do they need for the pups? And then beyond that, it's like what artists are interested, have expressed interest, are making work, have sent me work that I think will fit in with this particular curation and this particular audience. I will, like I said, say yes to almost any work as long as it can physically vend within the constraints of the project, because if it doesn't sell... That's not the only marker of success on this project. Mm-hmm. It's also about exposure. It's also about collaboration. Yes. And it's also a great learning opportunity for me to understand what moves. And for, I hope, some artists to flex how to package their goods, how to make something that translates through a pane of glass. And then it's a constantly rotating machine. So even though that's how the machine gets produced, I'm usually swapping out one to three rows every time that I go and restock. Okay. I, there's been a lot of interest recently, so I think I speak with more hesitation on this because I'm trying to figure out how to accommodate the increase in volume. Yeah. And I like, that's a a beautiful and (laughs) exciting challenge. And this is interest from artists who want their pieces in, in the machines. Yes. Yes. Can you, can you give me a sense of like, what would be in a presentation or a pitch to a a venue when you're like, I... I want to have this thing here. What would you say? Yeah. 
I would say that I know why I want to be in your spot. And then I would tell you about the reasons I want to be in your spot. And then I would say, here are the reasons that I think you might want my machine there. And those main reasons are, it is a source of joy for a lot of people. It is unexpected. It is in this world, discovering something is such a beautiful thing. And thinking a lot about how making new memories is what makes time feel long. And there is something that happens when you bump into joy, when you wander around a new city and you find something, it could be something incredibly famous. It could be, you know, the Louvre in Paris. And like, if you find it without putting it in your Google Maps, if you just turn the corner and you bump into it, what a feeling, what a feeling. Yes. So for me, I think the biggest ad that I, that I offer to a location is let's put something in your spot that brings people that feeling. Yeah. The second is that it connects to a wider community of artists, which is advantageous for everybody involved. I'm often in conversation seriously about placing machines in locations that already have a connection to the artist community. Okay. That isn't a prerequisite, but I find that we gravitate towards each other and that there is a mutuality and an understanding that comes when a place is already trying to connect to where they are. So... The second is just like that community that you've already created. Let's get people in this space. Let's get people excited about opportunities that exist here. And let's get all of those artists pointing to your location. And let's get you pointing back at those artists. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing that I say is that it is a low stakes, accessible opportunity to shop local. That it is a chance for artists who may not have fit into traditional retail settings to vent their stuff. And that when somebody's looking for a quick gift, a, a quick pickup, or in some cases, a stack of playing cards to be able to extend their time drinking, like all of mm. that can be provided in your location yeah. and you don't need to do anything. The machine itself is a glorified lamp. It like really just doesn't require much. They're really robust. <laughs> um, so, it's really more about the buy-in. Like, the lamp that keeps on giving. Yeah, yeah. It's the arcade game you always win. Ooh. You know, you put your tokens in and you always walk away with something. Yes, I love uh, that. The machine behaves appropriately, which is <laughs> uh, another fun and hilarious part of vending. Mm. Give me a sense of like the most vendable object. Like what is the thing where you're like, this this is something that I know can usually work in a machine in a machine. For me personally, I think the biggest successes in vending things are when somebody does something totally out of left field and makes it work. I think the things that are the most successful are the things that are the most shocking to see in a vending machine. Mm -hmm. so, What's the most shocking thing? Like when you're like, ooh, I didn't think this was gonna work, but it's it's fire. Well, I mean, we are vending plan B right now. So I think as shocking goes, like that's I it was really exciting to see how well they vended. Believe it or not, they are ready to ready to go as they come. Somebody's actually right now stocked in the machine. There's a sample pack of locally made perfumes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. A bird whistle. <laughs> I'm really into the smells. I'm like, where'd I win at? Because that's that way out. out. That's that way out okay. right now. Stocked. I think there's like at least five left. One of my favorites ever was for the launch of the Kimball Arts Center machine. One of the artists that has a studio in that space, they're an animation studio. They made cardboard paper puppets 
where you like pull a string and the arms and the legs move, but they were each one was a one off. They were handmade and hand painted and they were as cute as they could. They were just such a, it was such a cool, really beautifully made item um, and really special, especially coming from an animation studio felt like a cool way to translate what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like, like here's the character in IRL. Yep. And you are the one making it move. Yes. Um, so how do you find the artists that you work with? You said you've got a lot of submissions. Like, how does that work? Originally, it was a lot of like me reaching out to people that I admire, me reaching out to people, other arts organizations that are working in the city, trying to connect with what those hubs are, where they exist. As the project got off the ground, I had a major increase in the outreaches that were coming from social media and from my website. And that's been really amazing. And again, like such an enormous compliment that people want to be involved. If everybody that was working on stuff or chatting about stuff got something through the machine by the end of the year, we'll hit 200 artists. Um, Wow. So, you know, I think small beans in the world of Chicago, but big beans in the world of like starting your own dream project and having people be excited and want to be involved. So I feel a lot of a lot of appreciation and also responsibility. Mm-hmm. The project doesn't exist without the community. Yeah, I want to talk about that community a bit. Um, tell me about how that became a primary pillar um, for Good Things Vending. I think it's a lesson that I got from Chicago. Mm. I moved here when I was 18 to go to college you're just not a whole brain when you're, when you're 18 and when you're Ooh, honey, the- tell me about it. I mean, like not to take anything away from past me, you know, like past me was getting it past me was like really going for all of, all of the, all of the things and all of the dreams. But I fell a million times along the way. Mm. I didn't follow through. I, I couldn't find the solution. And every time that I misstep or mishandled the community and the city was there to pick me back up and like remind me of what else was out here. And it told me to stand up when I fell. It told me to reach out when I was struggling. And it told me that nothing exists without community, whether or not you talk about it as a pillar of your project. Um, I choose to talk about it that way. I know that there's a lot of people that choose to talk about it that way, but there isn't a thing in this world that gets done that doesn't connect to other people. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I think it's the city and all the people that choose to come here or choose to stay here or have grown up here that are still giving stuff back. They're still investing energy back into the city with the hope that it'll pay them back. And I I believe that it does. When people come to a machine and they, they tap into that community that you're talking about, Besides the object that they walk away with, is there something else that you want people to walk away with? Yeah, wow, that's uh, that question like makes me feel a little emotional. Um, mm. I do believe that an unexpected moment of joy or exploration, discovery, connection, it's such a gift in this world. And I hope that when people walk away, 
I don't know, they feel some sense of potential or mm. some feeling that, you know, you don't always know what's coming around the corner. Yeah. You might think it's the bathroom, but it might be a weird vending machine filled with little <laughs> art and vintage and nostalgia items. Like, you just don't know. Steph Krim is the founder of Good Things Vending. Steph, thank you so much. Thank you. This was really an honor to get a chance to talk to you. You can find Good Things Vending Machines at a handful of locations around town, including the Chicago Cultural Center and the Kimball Arts Center, as well as bars like the Way Out Bar in Logan Square, Kaiser Tiger in the West Loop, and Metropolitan Brewing in Avondale. For more info, including how to get your art in a machine or a machine in your business, head to goodthingsvending.com. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. If you love the show, please rate us and review us. It helps more people find The Rundown. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 